up, guys? <laughs> um, episode number 65 of Fit Food Radio. That was a big intro there um, because we've got an awesome guest on the show today and we just said how um, we've got a conference room booked for the day and we're just booking in loads and loads of podcasts today. So we've been glued to our laptop and we were saying it's really important we keep the energy nice and high. So you've actually just woke me up. I've just <laughs> literally scared Keris to death by shouting in her ear off. But guys, Fit Food Radio, of course, Keris is here with me, the, the, the dream team. And uh, we've got an amazing guest on the show. Um, we've had him on the show before and we've got had, had so much amazing feedback and it was only a matter of time before we got on the show. Once again, we have got the amazing Rannock Donald. How are you doing, my man? Always! <laughs> <laughs> That's your energy, but I'm not going to be able to do it, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> it was a good go. It was a good go. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about kind of who you are and, and what you do? Um, I run something called the 100 Rep Challenge, um, which has really started to engage with people who were struggling with getting some everyday activity. Um, my personal background was very much one of them, um, was martial arts based. Um, like so many guys, went um, through life, had some kids raised a family, um, stopped, stopped being as fit as, as, as perhaps I wanted to be, um, had, a, had my own little wake-up call, got back into health and fitness, um, and since the end of really trying to be, really, really trying to encourage people to do the same, um, but to make it something that's lifestyle-based. So rather than this um, beat-yourself-up prescription or this grueling thing that you have to go and do once or twice a week at a gym, something that um, is in fact part of your daily routine and applies as much to how you eat, how you move and how you recover. Love it. Very succinct. I'm impressed. You, you totally <laughs> rehearsed that. That's my, that's my elevator pitch. <laughs> have, you, have you got that tattooed on your forearm? <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's largely because people say, well, what's 100 reps about? Have I got to do 100 reps or something? And, you know, I, I kind of I made a, a, a yoke for myself when I called the 100 rep challenge because obviously the, the, the idea immediately would be, well, you do 100 reps or something. And, yeah, in principle, that's correct. But actually, it's really about behavioral change. It's about doing something consistent. Consistently, um, the strap line for 100 reps was was um, taken from Aristotle. That excellence is a habit. You know, it's something that we do on a daily basis, and that in itself should be fantastic news to realise that excellence isn't something that you're born with. Um, it's something that you you work towards and you can be excellent at anything you can be excellent at, at, at walking on a regular basis you can be excellent at cooking you can be excellent at writing um, but the one thing that will get you there is consistency above all else and you know as a culture we kind of we we binge on things you know we binge on cooking or we binge on baking we binge on exercise we binge on reading and actually these are all things that you know you want to just do on a regular basis enjoy for the sake of doing it it's, it's like it's so simple and so obvious and so sustainable it's almost people think no no it couldn't possibly work that that that's just you know there's some of the things you recommend uh something that you know some of us have, some people have been doing for years and years and years but for a lot of people it's like no 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 there's got to be some secret magic formula that we can discover when it comes to exercise nutrition or even you know sort of moving whatever it may be that's yeah. way more advanced and fancy than this absolutely i think you know a lot of the stuff that we see um that's promoted and marketed and sold is smoke and 
others. And in essence, I think a lot of what you guys talk about, and certainly you know what I talk about, is is it's not about some magical formula. It's about reinvigorating things that we once had to do on a regular basis. Yeah. It's so these these are skills that we've lost. These are things that we need to to rediscover. We, you know, so which is we, you know, when you talk about walking, people kind of shrug their shoulders and go so. But you know, it's not that long ago that walking was an integral part of everyday activity. You did it. Yeah. Um, cooking. Not that long ago that cooking was an essential skill. It wasn't something that you watched on TV whilst eating a ready meal. It was something that you actually did on a daily basis. Um, sharing food was something you did with your family. You know, uh, sorry, sorry, sharing sharing food. Did you say? <laughs> say that again. Sh- sharing food. What? <laughs> what's what's that? <laughs> again, it, it is one of those things that you know. It, to sit down and, and, and prepare food and share food. Uh, so it was a comment I made the other day uh, um, uh, discussing orthorexia and this idea of clean eating um, and superfoods. And the, the, the truth is superfood is a word that gets, gets bandied about a lot. But yeah. to me, a superfood is one that you prepare from raw ingredients and you share with the people you love. I can't think of anything more super than that, you know? Aww. That's it. These are essential things that we need to get back to doing um, to prepare prepare food and share it with your friends and family. I can think of no better way to spend your time, um, infinitely better than sitting down to whatever your balanced ready meal is whilst watching the latest cooking show. It's the irony, isn't it? I know, everyone's obsessed with cooking shows. And the food, is it the Food Network or Food Channel or Come Dine With Me or whatever it is they might watch at dinner time, but actually, like you said, they're eating a ready meal or just slap something in the microwave. You know, and, and I think the unfortunate thing with the, the, the sheer volume of cooking shows that we've got on now, it suggests that cooking is, is of the moment and is fashionable. And actually, you know, once you've learned basic cooking skills, there's very little you can't do. Um, you know, cooking is just regulating heat. That's what it is. It's really that simple. Do, uh, and I think that again, we've we've just we've complicated it. We've really complicated it. Do you know what's funny is um, all of my life, my mum uh, always emphasised home cooking, and she did all the home cooking for us as kids. And uh, my dad, he had like a, a you know really a good career. And my dad did everything that he, men usually do. So he landscaped the garden. He was always fixing things and worked long hours. But whenever my mum was ill and my dad had to cook, it's the only time I saw him look a little bit floundered and lose all composure. Yeah, he didn't know what to do and. Recently, he's decided um, that he needs to be able to learn to cook because um, he's now uh, 60 and he's like, do you know what? This is a skill I should have learned long ago. I should be able to cook for myself. And it's really impressive. And on Sunday, he cooked for a big Sunday roast for how many of us? Ten of us? I don't know. The whole family was there and he did the whole Sunday roast. And I was so impressed with him. Um, you know, and it wasn't easy. He had to cook you know, several different um, dishes. But, yeah, it was it's just something that I was really proud of him for. I think that that is fantastic. And I think the business of, of plating food up and sharing it with people is such a profound thing to do. Yeah. You know, to, to have taken time and effort um, to prepare the food and then sit down and collectively enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It takes some confidence as well, though. I think a lot oh, yeah. of people have lost confidence, and especially serving food for other people, because you've got all these fancy ideas out there and Jamie Oliver saying we should be able to do this, that, and the other. It's almost like it's got a bit competitive as well, hasn't it? Oh, ter- terribly competitive, you know, and certain ingredients you can only get in certain places. And The thing is, if you spend any time with an actual cook or chef, you will see that the 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 palette of foods and tastes that they use are actually very small 
It's what they then choose to do with them um, that makes the difference. So, you know, you can go away and get your, you know, your balsamic reduction sorted out or, you know, your pomegranate vinegar or whatever else it might be. But the truth is, uh, you know, you need very few ingredients to make fantastic food. It's the time and the preparation that goes into it. You know, it's the fact that you you source local ingredients and you get things that are fresh and are seasonal. That's infinitely more important than anything else that you might add to the mix. Absolutely. Actually, I'm really glad we're talking about nutrition with you, Anik, because on Facebook you are um, quite proactive in your <laughs> um, your chats about nutrition, sharing articles, and and um, we'd love to like. Can you sort of tell our listeners what your approach is approach to nutrition is generally? So, are you sort of a fan of paleo diet or um, vegetarian? I mean, it's really simple. It's really, really simple. I, you know, I'm of the opinion that uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that we see coming through in terms of diet and nutrition, you know, all has elements of, 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 of truth in it. You know, aspects that might be useful. You know, and I would never say that I'm anti diet because I think that there are certain occasions where the kickstart that someone needs is a really prescriptive approach to nu- nutrition. But I make a distinction between nutrition and nourishment. And nourishment is the everyday consumption of food, you know, the things that make us feel good. Um, nutrition, we can get confused about that very, very quickly. And, you know, you talk about the st- stuff that I post on social media about this. Much of it is to kind of highlight the confusion that there is yeah. um, and to really just to... to to see and to understand how other people feel about these things. It's almost as if every week you will find one story promoting something and then another story and contradicting it. And it's absolutely no wonder that the majority of people are confused. You know, is the issue carbs? Is the issue fat? Is it sugar? Sugar's getting vilified at the moment. And, you know, the suggestion is that attacks would sort it out. Um, But prohibition of any sort just doesn't work. It's never worked for cigarettes. It doesn't work for alcohol. It's certainly not worked for drugs. The idea that um, slapping attacks on fizzy drinks is somehow an answer, to me, is a fantastic way to obscure the real issues that, that are at the yeah. heart of this. And it comes back to this the simple stuff of, you know, are you preparing and cooking food and sharing that with your family and friends? Because that's that's where the, the real issue is. We look at, we're constantly looking for a quick fix. Again, something we've spoken about before, but, you know, we are creatures of comfort. We live in a culture of convenience and it's never been easier, but we've never felt more hard done by, you know, <laughs> yeah. never, and we've never been sicker. And as a consequence, you know, it is going back to replacing the things that we used to do just as a matter of course. You know, we don't have to carry water. We don't have to chop wood. We don't have to grow our own vegetables. We don't have to hunt, you know. We don't have to do all these things that once upon a time would have regulated us as a species. Now everything is delivered at the touch of a button. So I'm sorry, the news is it's really simple and straightforward. For us to regain our health, we have to start to replicate those activities. And that applies as much to, to diet as it does to movement. I think that's the biggest thing though, isn't it? I mean, you, you kind of, uh, you mentioned this a, a moment ago about it's, it's almost like we need to completely retrain ourselves to do what was once so instinctive, you know, like eating the right foods for you, you know, exercising in the right way for you. Because it's all well and good following like the latest diet or the latest training plan. Yeah. Let, let's yeah. face it, you know, what works for one doesn't work for the other. We, people now need coaching to realise that when there was once upon a time where you'd, you'd eat something and go, oh, that didn't agree with me, I won't eat that again, and, and then you just move on. Yeah, and also, yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the issues also with this is because food, cooking, exercise have become novelties in that they need to be constantly switched around and changed to keep people interested. 
means we get very, very confused. Yeah. Whereas in actual fact, the, the essentials of, of wellness are very simple and straightforward um, and they based on consistency. If you think about it in this way, you know, the, if, you, if you look at the, the way sports science um, has infected the world of exercise, we, we've grown up with this idea that, for example, for some of us, that the only way to get better is to constantly add weight to the bar. Um, and there, there's a certain point where you can't add any more weight to the bar, not without it having a detrimental effect on your long-term health and well-being. When you approach regular exercise in that same way, it would suggest that if choice is to walk, then the only way that you get healthier is to walk more all the time. Obviously, that's not the case. You know, the idea that you need to add half a mile on every day if you're going to get better at walking is just nonsense. It has to be approached as a skill rather than something that is done as an endurance activity. Mm. And it applies to most of what we do. We do it for the sake of doing it, to get better at doing it, not to lift more weight, not to walk more, more of a distance, not to swim further, not to climb higher, but to simply have a baseline of health and wellness that means when we are challenged we can actually rise to the challenge what i am um, we should probably talk a little bit about your uh book which matt and i've been uh, lucky enough to have a little bit of a glimpse at and what i loved was you mentioned being a jack of all trades um and that's something that i always used to say to matt that that's definitely i just love doing that because I've, i always part of it is i get bored <laughs> quite easily yeah. but i've always i've always liked to mix up training so I'll go into things, I'll box for a while for, um, you know, a couple of weeks and then I'll think, right, now I'm going to go back into running and then I might just have a time time off and just do yoga and loads of walking. But what it's meant is over the years, I've just got a basic skill set where I can just have a go at most things and I've got um, endurance, I've got balance, I've got agility and it's it feels, you know, it feels really healthy, it feels empowering. You're the same, yeah, aren't you, Mike? And a, a lot of that comes down to, to having the confidence to move. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, the confidence to actually move. Um, a lot of what we do, particularly in a gym environment, is very linear. Everything moves in straight lines. Everything's bilateral. Once you start throwing games and playing into the mix, which is something that we're doing a lot more um, at Fitness Soul in Edinburgh, for example, you know, we're, we're making play the central part of the activity. Yeah. And what I've found with that, for example, is if we lay out a small obstacle course, a dozen Olympic discs on the floor spaced um, apart so that some you can step and some you have to jump and a walkway around the outside of that <clears throat> people are very tentative when we first start to move around it by the end of it you've got people jumping five or six feet from, from yeah. uh, plate to plate <clears throat> with incredible agility and suddenly agility balance coordination all these things are in the mix but they're done being done in a very natural way nobody's there saying okay guys we're going to jump we're going to do the following you get people warmed up you get them moving and it's amazing what they're capable of and more importantly, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. But that, that, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I, we meet so many people now that drag themselves to the gym to do their three or four sessions a week purely because they feel an obligation to do so. Very rarely do we hear somebody say, do you know what? I bloody love exercising. I love going to the gym. I love going to the park and clowning around on the monkey bars or whatever it, or whatever it is. It's yeah. such a rarity. So we love it, don't we, when we hear I mean, someone... I mean, that's precisely what we're trying to do, is we're trying to create an environment where people push themselves because it's exciting. We, we're playing a version of, of Hot Lava, um, and Chip Conrad um, had inspired me to kind of take a look at that with some of, some of the games that they, they, they play in their gym <clears throat> over in Sacramento. And essentially, people just chasing one another around. Um, but you add a chasing element to, to any activity, and everything changes. Yeah, it's yeah. People suddenly become five years old 
Yeah. Again, you know, and it's just, it's absolutely brilliant. So myself um, and, uh, and Lezik and Joanna, who run um, the, the Fitness Soul Gym in Leith, we're putting together um, an indoor obstacle course race training routine, which will probably run two or three times a week. And it will be a warm-up, a bit of bodyweight training. And then it will be followed by just a bunch of obstacles that people have to negotiate for 15 or 20 minutes in terms of circuits. Um, and it's all just playful. That's awesome. That's brilliant, mate. Do you know what? We did a, a – over in America, we did a treasure hunt uh, part an event that we were speaking at. And um, that was in teams. And it involved basically getting all across the, – the, the actual place we did it was um, – where was it? It was, uh, it was Mohonk, Mohonk in uh, – state new york and it was all on the, the the up in the mountains and the rock the rocks and stuff on it yeah so you were bouldering and then you were running distances of like two three miles to collect uh, basically these clues and then we had to finish by building a boat and rowing across a river in a in a boat yes. that we'd all built and it Out was cardboard. yeah and it took three or four hours and it was absolutely knackering and i don't once remember looking at matt and going oh i'm tired i can't go on it was just so so much of a buzz because it was team it was we didn't know what was coming next and it was so varied so so much fun we said it was like the most fun we'd had in a long time absolutely that's that's fantastic and that's exactly what we want to replicate yeah um, with the ocr stuff you know uh, i'm teaching a class there weekly at the moment um which is kind of moving in mavericks based where no two classes are the same you know and you'll show up one weekend with a bunch of sprint based stuff and some bodyweight training you show up the next week and it's a bunch of drills based on shaolin kung fu you show up the following week and it's you know we're doing rolling following and tumbling drills you show up the next week and we're back to just pure calisthenics so it's it's really just about mixing it up common theme is moving uh, and the mental opponent that's involved you know so it, it can never be mindless because you're constantly being challenged in terms of how you move do you ever find that um we matt and i used to get this if i'd ever try and slow a client down and say do you know what i think you just need to do a little bit more walking stretching they would really question me and say i, I couldn't possibly lose or maintain my weight if i do that it has to be high intensity it has to be you know running sprinting do you yeah, get questions or not Again, though, I think this huge, um, huge confusion there yeah. um, in that, you know, if you're going to lose weight, then nearly all of that is going to be down to your diet. The, the quality of your movement um, and the quality of your, your body composition um, will be defined by the training that you then do. But the, your actual, your, your actual, you know, it's, it's that's that's down to what you eat at the end of the day. And I think people put themselves in a very, very self-destructive, particularly when they're doing a lot of high intensity stuff. Um, there's a real halo effect there in terms of what they eat. I think that um, it's rare to find someone whose um, obsessional training isn't reflected in their obsessional eating. So the whole thing tends to be a bit of a, a bit of a. <laughs> um, <laughs> the way the way I look at it is, you know, it, lots of people out there think they're Lamborghinis and they're not. They're Volkswagen Beetles. They're <laughs> good. They're, they're they're very serviceable. Do fine, but they're kind of confusing themselves with high performance vehicles. And the thing with high performance vehicles is most people who own them drive them in cities. They don't go particularly fast they look great don't serve a purpose to stretch that analogy a bit further i mean as far as i'm concerned if, if there are no medals or money involved in the pursuit of your goal then you have to do it for the pleasure of doing it does that make sense absolutely you, know, you, you can't you know i understand i've got friends who've performed at a very high level in different sports and martial arts and stuff and they paid quite a cost for that ultimately they got a belt around the waist or they got a medal and they got some money or whatever it might be and i understand exactly but the driving force for that is completely different to the average person yeah uh, to be healthy first and foremost and people need to understand the distinction i think maybe we spoke about this before health and fitness are two different things and fitness is different from performance and if you get confused as to how those work then i guarantee you'll spend 
most of your time feeling pretty crappy. Health always comes first. Fitness is second. Performance is the, is the, the holy grail. And you do that now and again. Also, I mean, we've uh, just started talking recently at the academy. I mentioned about how, um, for me, when I first got into, I thought fitness was the solution to everything. So that was my big, big focus. But after sustaining several injuries and not being able to train, I was like, okay, so one, how do I even, um, you know, sort of remain healthy and keep my body composition healthy? I had no idea that, you know, nutrition was playing a bigger role. But secondly, I was using exercise quite a lot to boost my mood. Um, so I became a very dark person when I was injured. And I had to really address my addiction to, to hard yeah. training i think that that's i think that sometimes uh, you know you you you, you said it there and you, you hear people talk about the escape that they have you know when they go and they train or they run you know move that and suddenly things get really really difficult yeah and i think that you need to place as much emphasis on um the kind of mental component as you do in the physical component and i think that the, the more balanced you become in terms of how you approach things mentally and uh, particularly relating to stress and anxiety and all the other conditions that we seem to be plagued by these days um the, the more inclined you are to to maintain yourself physically it's a continuum you know uh, yeah it, it's never just one thing i say that ad nauseum but that's the truth of it i think there's a lot of people out there who spend a huge amount of time in their heads not enough time in their body but there's no doubt there's a bunch of folks spend a huge amount of time in their body and not enough time in their heads when you start aspects of playfulness um, and movement and create challenges like that you get people to occupy both spaces at the same time i mean that that i, I do love that because it's, it's such an amazing feeling i think when you know i mean the big thing for me was when i used to like when i play rugby which is an hour and a half essentially near enough it, it feels like yeah. it feels like 20 minutes to me because you know i'm not looking at the clock i don't know what's coming next you know like every week it's different weather it's a different team you're just very much in the moment um and, and i just think if you can find that thing you enjoy and it doesn't even need to be a competitive sport but like you say where there is an element of play so to speak because rugby is just a essentially just a, a more brutal version of tag <laughs> <laughs> with that is with that comes um, the whole kind of social aspect of it and the community that's built around it and the support that's built around it and that is that's absolutely massive you know um, uh, one of the things that I always liked about martial arts was you know people think martial arts is a solo pursuit and it's not it's, it's the biggest team sport there is because everybody faces everybody at some point yeah. uh, and everyone is there as a filter to help everyone else get better you know I, I, at the age of 53 I'm back doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu I did no gi which is without the pajamas if you like um, on several occasions but most of the martial arts I did was stand up I'm now doing now training at Gracie Baja in Edinburgh with um, Ricky Gillen fantastic coach and uh, I am a complete beginner I'm completely out of my depth think I'm the oldest guy in the room and I am absolutely loving it <laughs> um, and, and that that to me is I can't think of anything better I'm, I'm learning a new skill no question that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a very technical art to learn and it's it's I like things that are like physical Sudoku, if, if, if you get what I mean. Yeah. I like the things that challenge you, that get you really thinking about movement, and then you have to get your head out of the way because you're overthinking it. Yeah, you know, there's lots of mobility drills that I teach, for example, that if, if I explain them to people, they get really confused. And if I give them just a couple of pointers, they can start to understand how to move and suddenly they get it. And, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is very like that. You constantly have, I'm like Homer Simpson. I'm constantly going, you know, levels <laughs> that. But it's superb, and for me, it's it's going to be a long route. It's, it's a journey, no question about it. But one of the key things with it is I feel I'm not part of a community. I was over 
in Glasgow a couple of weeks ago, um, they had um, Lagarto, the, the instructor from Gracie Baja down in London, up um, to teach for a few hours. I went over to Glasgow. There's 60 people there I've never met before. And suddenly I'm just part of this BJJ family. And everybody's hanging out and rolling and training. And, you know, I think all these things come together in such an important way. We have never been more fragmented as a society in terms of the way our families work, in terms of the way our communities work. And I think we need to find these things. You know, I'm saying the same thing again, haven't I? Um, We need to go back and reinvent um, the, the communities, the lifestyles, the movement, the food, all the things that we just used to do as a matter of course. So it's interesting you say that because we obviously took our business online and um, as much as it's been amazing to reach out to a bigger scope of people, Matt and I, uh, definitely last year we said we'd never felt more isolated because all we ever did was interact online um, and both of us have uh, said next year we're going to try and tour around and all our online members say we're going to be in this city on this day, uh, oh, come and no, train with us, that's... come and chat with us, come and eat with us, it'd be lovely. So no, 100%, 100%. We'll get you up here to Edinburgh have hey. a couple of days, set some stuff up, get a bunch of people together. Um, you know, I think it's so important. We, it's, it's again, it's a, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, the internet throws up as many issues as it as it solves. Yeah. Um, and I think it can be incredibly destructive for some people because it's so aspirational. Everybody else is having a good time but you, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I about Facebook the other week that, you know, it causes depression because everybody's looking at everybody else's lifestyle and thinking they're having such a fantastic time and they're not. I'm like, mm-hmm. you're on my page where I'm just bitching and moaning about people. <laughs> um, but the, but, but the, the truth is, it allows you to create connections and meet uh, and then take that into the real world. And yeah. that is phenomenal, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You can um, edit I've your newsfeed. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I've got, I've got stuff going on um, in the next year purely as a result of work that's been done in terms of d- developing that community online. So we've got a lot of real-world stuff which will happen. Um, and I think that that's tremendous. So I think, again, you know, I, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not somebody who looks at technology and looks at all this stuff and thinks, oh, it's terrible, you know, and we should all. And, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, the approach to food. You know, I'm not somebody who thinks we should be out there, you know, shooting or, you know, shooting rabbits and, you know, and, and only eating what we kill, although that would probably not be such a bad thing. <laughs> but I do think um, there's there's opportunities there to use um, technology and communication in a way that, that creates a larger community that we can all tap into. Yeah, no, absolutely. One, one thing I was going to ask you about, um, Wanuk. So when your quote on Skype actually is, uh, I think it's on your website, is move the body, still the mind. And yep. Matt and I were just chatting just before we came on. And I thought, I really want to ask you about mindfulness and meditation, because I've seen you doing some Tai Chi and some of your pictures and or Qigong. I'm not sure which one you're, which yep. what is it you practice. But Matt, this is for Matt more than me, because I, I've really got into yoga at the moment. And I do a lot of guided meditation at yoga and I love it. But he really struggles to, he's either basically training eating ice cream or watching netflix and he doesn't do anything in terms of (laughs) (laughs) mindfulness meditation or anything and i I think matt just got busted (laughs) (laughs) always throwing me in or work he works as well obviously (laughs) (laughs) well if i'm standing over him it's green and blacks if i'm not it's ben and jerry's (laughs) (laughs) trashy ice cream every time (laughs) If you're going to do it, you might as well do it properly. There's a a Christmas flavour up Minter Wonderland. Oh, wow. No way. That's a Ben and Jerry's one. Yeah, exactly. Let me just write this down. So how would you get someone like Matt to make that jump and I think a lot of a lot of my clients as well women are a little bit more sort of yeah I get it and I'll, I'll have a go at downloading an app but a lot of men I work with are just, just not even anywhere near it yet 
Yeah, and I think part of the issue is mindfulness is, is hugely overblown now. You know, it's a growth industry. There's so many books that you get on it, and it makes it it makes it seem like it's a thing. You yeah. know, I am. I need to be more mindful, and in a lot of respects, I think that that just it, that just makes it more confusing. Whereas in actual fact, um, again, it's back to old skills. Um, the simple process of sitting and just watching how you breathe is the the absolute core of of mindfulness. And some people choose to do it sick, and some people choose to do it. You know. As a guided meditation um, there's so many different ways you can do it for me for guys and um, certainly when I've taught workshops in the past we teach something called combat breathing um, which is uh, a person breathes in pauses breathes out pauses and we create a cycle uh, of breathing that's around about 10 breaths uh, per minute most people are breathing around about 15 breaths per minute shoulders hunched and, and shallow breathing um, and we encourage people between sets for example or between rounds or whatever it might be to use this type of breathing just to slow themselves down and the thing is breath is the only autonomic function you've got that you can control and as a consequence you can, can use that to engage the parasympathetic nervous system so for anybody who's under stress it's such a valuable I think some guys are resistant because they think that there's a kind of spiritual woo-woo component there and actually <laughs> the, the way that I teach it is breathing is, is your reset button um, yeah. and the ability to engage with that is a mindful process um, there's some fantastic apps out there um, Headspace is a phenomenal app which is a, a free a free week long course and then some really simple guided meditations um, the guy who put that together is a former monk um, a cancer survivor um, really, really interesting guy. And so, yeah, the Headspace app, I, I would recommend as the first protocol for most people who want to ex explore it because it's really, it's really unintimidating and very straightforward. Go on, <laughs> I must be more mindful. <laughs> I must breathe. See, the, 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 the thing is, you know, <laughs> when I think of mindfulness, um, you know, I think of it in relation to uh, the kind of stuff I do. And, and um, you know, from a martial arts perspective, getting punched makes you really mindful. But that's not it's not necessarily an option for a lot of people. Um, I am a huge advocate of just finding five minutes to breathe. That's it. Uh, and people say, well, is that it? Well, yeah, absolutely. That's it, five minutes. You can find a couple of times during the day. But essentially, that's all you need to do is just mind how you breathe. That's mindfulness. That's it. You've done it. Yeah, do you know what, that's um, I've been doing the same with. I just I actually use music a little bit because it, it shuts my mind down and stops me thinking about work. But and, and exactly what you've said, I found if I just set myself a target of five or ten minutes of um, put your hand on your tummy and just make it move, make it breathe nice and deeply, it's a lot more. I'm just more likely to do it than if I say, right, I'm gonna go up and. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing. You have these purists who say, well, you know, you can't listen to music. Yeah. Rubbish. Listen to music. That's what does it for you. I mean, for me. Um, you know, Mozart, uh, um, fantastic. You know, Chopin, Chopin's etudes, stick those on, fantastic. Whatever floats your boat. Um, I would recommend if you're using music to try and create a space to just breathe, then you go with something that doesn't have too strong a melodic content and doesn't have um, lyrics, you know, because I think that you just get distracted and you wind up singing along in the next I use um, movie soundtracks a lot. Um, my brother, my brother got me into them. Like quite a few different films, and said the way that they're, um, I think the way that they're written is is to 
you know, basically be quite emotive and so you can you can that just is, tune out of your day, basically. That is, that's, uh, no question about it. Have you seen the movie Monsters Ball? No, I was going to say... Monsters Ball, it's, it's a really, it's quite a dark film, but right. the soundtrack to that is absolutely stunning. Oh, awesome. Monsters and the, and the entire soundtrack is amazing. The, the, the thing about soundtracks is you can be lulled in a false sense of security and then all of a sudden the chase sequence comes <laughs> on. <laughs> Do you know what? One of my favourites is actually Braveheart, which, but there are some some really sort of like battle scene. Uh, <laughs> but I actually like some of the really the nice music at the beginning of the film is really lovely. Well, I, I strongly recommend Monsters Ball. Um, a couple of guys called Ash and Spencer who wrote the music for that, um, and all their the, the cinematic stuff they've done is incredibly atmospheric and evocative. Um, very little of it has a rhythmic track to it which is great because, again, obviously, the minute you start using music, um, you start to create rhythms that you, you associate with, where, whether you're moving or breathing or whatever it might be, you're setting the pace, yeah? So, again, it's... But you know what? Whatever floats your boat, that's the bottom line. Whatever creates some space in your day. Um, that, again, one of the issues that guys have, um, particularly with anything that's, that's even remotely mindful, is they're being told that they're allowed to pay attention to themselves for five minutes. <laughs> guys, just, you know, guys just struggle with that. You know, when's the last time somebody said to you, okay, it's your turn to just stand and breathe. You yeah, know, yeah. It's like, that's creepy. You know? <laughs> do, do you know what though? Because it's, for me, I always say, like the, the only time I genuinely feel like I'm not thinking about work or projects or deadlines, whatever is when I can actually get into like a decent TV show or film or something like that. And it's quite funny because a lot of the time we we recommend our clients to try and switch off as much as you can in the evenings, you know, read, try not to distract yourself too much and keep the mind too active. But then on the flip side of that, like for me sometimes, like the most relaxing thing I can do is actually just chill on the sofa and watch a film um, which I know. I think, I think that just makes. I think that, that makes so much sense, though. You know, it's, it, it's there's there's no no kind of cultural chasm between a good book and a good movie. You know, I think that um, art is art. I think some of the best stuff that um, you can see at the moment, you know, it's on things like Netflix. Yeah. And I think that the, the opportunity to put it this way. Uh, as we've spoken about this quite a lot in, 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 the, in the last wee while since we've been talking, this idea of, of, of re-engaging with old skills. Storytelling is, is absolutely key to that. And, uh, and once upon a time, we'd have finished the day sitting around the fire telling stories and listening to stories. Um, if we don't have that immediately available to us, then there's plenty of other narratives that we can, we can lock into, and it might be a good book. But to be honest, I know some people who just aren't great readers. They're good listeners. They'd love to listen to an audiobook. Uh, then you've got others who think that an audiobook, well, no, it's not really a book, is it? Of course it is. It's a story and it's being told. The medium doesn't really matter. The same thing applies to sitting down and watching um, you know, a really good show that sucks you in. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, Television viewing is a very passive activity, but if you're talking about people sitting doing nothing, then they're passive, you know? Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to, I would never, I would never wrap anyone's knuckles 
pills for sitting down and watching a TV show because uh, they felt it allowed them to decompress, you know? Yeah. It's like the, the, the stats that keep coming out about the hours watching TV linked to amount of the risk of a heart attack and stuff. And it's like, well, that's because there are other things, other lifestyle habits that go yeah. along with the people that, that watch a lot of TV generally. Yeah. I mean, if your life can... Cons- of sitting down um, at a computer screen, sitting down in a car, sitting down in public transport, sitting down on a couch, um, then, yeah, we, you know, there, there's a very natural process of evolution taking place there um, that's going to affect us in ways that we can't even begin to understand now. Um, so we need to kick back against that and we need to find ways that are enjoyable and exciting and fulfilling to make us feel better um, rather than feel worse. And, and that, again, brings us, brings us full circle in a lot of respects, this idea that um, being healthful is somehow some kind of penance we have to pay, that yeah. physical activity is something that um, is a price that you know, has to be extracted. That's all, it's all kind of a crappy, unsustainable way to do it. Whereas in actual fact, what we really want is we want to be 95 years old, able to move well and do Tai Chi or yoga or walk or whatever it might be. So, you know, long haul... Um, Something that um, Wolfgang, our friend Wolfgang Raleigh, talks about is is this, this glide ratio, this idea of um, getting to a certain point where even if a couple of your engines cut out, you're high enough to be able to glide and land safely. Yeah, I like that. And I really, <laughs> like, I really like that analogy. That's what, you know, you don't need to break the speed limit. You just need to get, get to a point where you've got enough in reserve to do the things you want to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. I really like that. I always look at like I'm I'm constantly saying to Matt I'm always looking at my grandparents and great grandparents um all all lived into their nineties and like what they did how they stayed healthy and I just pick up little bits and bobs like we were having a family meal once and uh, my granddad was watching Matt pile his plate really really high and he said to Matt like you know how how do you eat all that food he said I just don't like being full I don't like being overly full and that was my granddad that's that's how he got to be you know 90s he just didn't like to be overly full like didn't like stuffing his face but it's yeah it's almost like again it's just something that we've completely lost that concept our generation it's almost like you know more is better yeah I mean if you if you look at the blue zone stuff Dan yeah. Butner's book um you know most of the communities where they have the largest number of centenarians um they have certain qualities and and you know it's very much a kind of social thing it's again it's not just the food that the it's it's a whole combination of things um but you'll find all of them um are very much seasonal eaters yeah um and all of them small eaters yeah you know yeah. all you know the, the the people from okinawa um i can't remember what the phrase is but um they they, they recommend you leave the table feeling 80 percent full for example um What's interesting, though, is that these these blue zones, these areas that Dan Butner um, flagged up that had all these old folk who were super healthy, they are now all starting to to, to fall for the the Western industrial diet and have exactly the same issues that we have here. Yeah, I've read that with some of the other tribes that are being studied and they're seeing changes in their body composition and their chronic disease rates and so sad. Absolutely. So, you know, we, uh, we have to be very conscious of this stuff we have to be for want of a better word mindful you know mindful how we eat mindful how we move but it needs to be done with an emphasis on sharing and pleasure and enjoyment and the whole kind of no pain no gain um you know weakness leaving the body bullshit needs to be needs to be put to rest once and for all well the thing is as well Um, with that it's like that can only last so long and i i i was part of that brigade 
you know, me too. And, and, and I paid the price big time. And, and I feel like now I'm almost trying to have to work even harder at the opposite end of the, the spectrum to undo that kind of stupidity in a way because it was just all... And, you know, but do yourself a favour, Matt, because it's not stupidity. It's, you know, there is a certain point in our lives where we are full-on, bulletproof, go for it, you know. And in that environment, we tend to be preaching to the converted. So we yeah. all kind of slap each other on the back and kind of, you know, it's another injury, it's another laugh, you know, etc. Um, the, 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 the larger group of people who need to move haven't necessarily done any of those things. They've been scared off the idea of, of, of even walking into a gym because they feel intimidated by it. And the truth is that health and wellness, these, these aren't hard skills, they're soft skills. They're daily things that we need to do. They're skills that we need to develop. Again, just looping back very quickly, they talk about the sugar tax earlier in the week. You know, That's not where the solution lies. The solution lies in you know reintroducing home economics into schools and teaching kids absolutely for the parents, yeah you know um, it, it's, it's about reintroducing activities and fitness programs in, into schools and um, that encourage absolutely everybody to be involved um you know we're not going to do this by exclusion we're not going to do this by you know being elite um we're going to do it by encouraging absolutely every single person we possibly can to do what they can do work with what they've got we we had some t-shirts made up earlier in the year for um, SFN Expo when 100 reps was running there and it was a quote from Arthur Ashe um, start where, where you are use what you have do what you can um, and that's absolutely at the heart of the, the, the 100 rep book that I'm finishing off at the moment you know doesn't matter where you are that's where you start doesn't matter what you got you know just use that you know and do what you can so, so give us um, an outline of the 100 Rep books. I've seen it, obviously, and so has Matt, and we absolutely loved it and felt like it were, It really sort of, it just brought everything together that we're all talking about, but almost in a way that, that would allow people to practically apply it on a day-to-day basis. So give us a little hint at what's in there. No, thanks for that. It's, it's taking quite some time to kind of decide what it should be um, because I didn't want to do something that was super prescriptive. It works on, on, on a very simple basis. There, there is a simple introduction that outlines where we are now and to a certain extent how we've got here and, and, and what we could perhaps do about it. Um, the three things that it, that, that it covers is, is how we eat, how we move and how we recover. Again, in a very simple, practical, straightforward forward way. And from there, it looks at a very simple bodyweight program that people can do and add to and dip in and out of as they see fit. But the biggest part of the book is the workbook which is all about applying the basic fundamental um, principles that are outlined at the beginning. So that you read, the other half of the book, you write. So you're going to be responsible for actually finishing this out. So it's 100 days um, of activities. And again, it's, it's there to, to supplement whatever you're already doing. So, you know, it may be that you already go to the gym. It may be that you work walk every day it may be that you're starting from scratch it doesn't really matter what we're trying to do is we're trying to include something on a daily basis that uh, that reflects um, eating as you want to eat moving as you feel you should and and the one area that everybody seems to neglect um recovery awesome. i can't i actually can't wait to see it and i think like just, well, just it's, it's it's going to be super simple and that that, that's been the biggest challenge for me is keeping it simple. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I bang on all the time about keep it simple, keep it simple. Leave me to my own devices and I just make everything really complicated. <laughs> but, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just the same as everybody else, work in progress, you know, and I'm, I'm very happy with the way it's coming together and I'm really excited to share it. I think, like you said, the idea, though, that people write the book themselves is fantastic because what we keep saying is people have got to be a bit more intuitive about their nutrition and their training. And, you know, you can you can crowdsource that information, but ultimately everyone's so different in their lifestyle and their needs. Like we, we can only guide and, we, and it's, it's really up to people to start making some key decisions for Absolutely. themselves. Yeah, I mean, one of, one of the things that we say, you know, the earth strength is, you know, lifestyle is contagious pick a good one um, and I, think it's, I think it's so important because you know it is contagious and you, you'll see that in a personal relationship you'll see it between the pair of you you know somebody will do something and it has a knock-on effect with the other person and it can be a positive and it can be a negative and that works through families and from families it works into extended families and then it works into the workplace and schools and communities and we forget so quickly that we are um, creatures of influence. Somebody somewhere is watching you at this moment and sees you representative of what they want to do or be or share. And I think it's so important to realise that that's the case. Yeah. So that you want to use that influence as positively as you can. You know, parents do it with their kids, and that seems like an obvious one. But you can extend that into any social environment. Somebody somewhere is looking at you, thinking, "Yeah, I, I, I like that." what they do or how they do what they do. Um, I'd like to do that too. So it's beholden on us possible to make sure that that example is a positive one. And in a way, that's what's been abused by social media um, quite a lot and people sort of portraying something that, that maybe they're not even doing themselves um, to influence others. And really, it's, it's a shame because in my mind some of the people that everyone should be following just don't have the same level of exposure or you know sort of success or popularity that they should have I mean, wait, yeah. and wait. I, I think you know there's a there's a lot of kind of cynical button pushing goes on out there there's been a couple of um, people recently who have come along and said um oh i was i was a raw foodie for ages and it was terrible and it did this to me and it did that to me and you know and I've, I've you know i've lost bone density and i've been depressed and suddenly they re themselves in an entire new career as a kind of born again non raw foodie person and i've seen this happen on several occasions recently with people who've kind of had an about face you know yeah. i was vegetarian now i'm a meat eater i was a meat eater and now i'm a vegetarian and you know they turn it into their raison d'etre and they create an audience out of that you know and i think that that is so confusing for people because uh, the one thing with social media is, yes, so much of it is aspirational and airbrushed and looks good. Remember you guys talking about, you know, taking um, photographs of the food, you know, that's it. You know, it's, that's it's taken on the step at like, the back of the, back of the house or whatever, and that's what it looks like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think absolutely that's the way to do it. That's absolutely the way to do it. Well, I mean, because it's um, we like the, the, the point Kerry's just touched on there is because with, with social media, like we, we mention this all the time, is people only ever see one side of the story. I know that, you know, it's, it's good to kind of put positivity out there and whatnot, but I think the problem is, is that we're creating this really unrealistic picture for people. Of and what it, health is. Yeah, of what health is, of what happiness is, and it almost... I don't know, in a way, it just, it just makes people feel bad about themselves. It makes them feel guilty. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think you're so right. I think you're so right. And again, that's back to um, trying to create real tangible communities out of this rather than just these kind of airstat Facebook profiles or Instagram profiles or whatever it might be. And, we, you know, we're only human. We want to put the best foot forward. The flip side of that are the people who just constantly talk about how awful everything is. So... Somewhere in the midst of all this, there's a balance to be found. 
Um, and I think that part of that is it requires honesty and, and people really, uh, from a marketing point of view, struggle to kind of put, the, put, put that persona out there. Essentially, we don't share our gag reels and our gag reels are exactly what we should share. Yeah, yeah I, I absolutely agree. <laughs> Rano, um, yeah. I want to touch on something now that uh, is a little bit personal, something, you know, um, that, you know, no one else will really know about here, uh, but we did discuss this before the podcast and uh, you, you were more than happy to share it and I think is a really important message here. But your amazing wife, uh, Lorraine, uh, was, was diagnosed with cancer um, and we might as well put it out there now that we, you had amazing news last re- week that she's actually had the all clear. Am I correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, we've actually met Loren and she is honestly one of the most amazing people like you would ever meet. Like she's, she's got just got beautiful the, energy. The, the, her personality is just like you, you I don't know. She, you just wish that you could have her next to you all day. She, you know, she'd make <laughs> you feel. It's so funny you say that, Matt, because people say to me all the time, um, Oh God! You, you, you know she's amazing, don't you? That's why I'm married. she's incredible. She's she is. I mean, everybody's going to say that about their partner, aren't they? But well, of has, course. But, but she's, she's proof positive to me that um, attitude has a huge amount to do um, with how you cope with um, what is essentially a very stressful situation. I had no experience of this world um, before Lorraine. Um, and, and it all kind of it all happened very kind of quickly from a, a from a mammogram to um, you know surgery being scheduled to chemo to everything else that she's gone through in the process and every step of the way she's just been completely positive um, because she her, her take with this from the outset is I want to get better I want to get better um, I've never seen her once feel sorry for herself which for me is just remarkable um but it, it has a lot to do with just ongoing attitude and it's been it's been an amazing journey um she would tell you it's been a fantastic experience which i know sounds really strange but i think perhaps at some point you guys might want to might want to have her on the podcast and, and talk to her directly about it because um yeah, obviously that'd be brilliant. her own personal experience um during this time she had we end up talking to a number of different people who are in a similar situation. Um, and it's been amazing just to watch um, that side of things grow and, and develop as she's kind of helped folk through, I suppose, in a lot of respects. Um, so, yeah, the, the one thing it's, it's, it's certainly shown me is, is women are so much stronger than guys. <laughs> <laughs> just repeat that, please. <laughs> no, I'm only saying it once. <laughs> um, but... Post, post all of that, um, we are now, um, you know, Lorenz has been on medication that's caused weight gain and various other bits and pieces. Post-op, she's had some uh, additional surgery just to tidy up bits and pieces. And she's not going to mind me talking about any of this. And, you know, now that we're kind of drawing a line under all that, we're now going to revisit things like diet and movement and everything else. Um, but really, up until a couple of weeks ago, really, the, the focus has been on just getting through this and being well. Yeah. And what uh, did you sort of look around at um, alternative treatments or did you just sort of go straight for for chemotherapy? And Um, to be honest, my if you'd asked me beforehand what would it do in those circumstances, I would. But all the research I was going to do and, you know, um, what I'd be tracking down and finding out about the minute that this all kicked off, um, your your knee jerk reaction 
you just go and start Googling everything right, left and centre. Yeah. Um, the, the NHS, certainly our experience of them, they drip-fed information. They didn't overwhelm you. They answered everything as it came up. They were so incredibly practical every step of the way about what was required. They didn't pull any punches in any point. We both felt, um, you know, and I would have taken, you know, Lorraine's uh, guidance on any of this, to be honest, but we both felt that what was being offered and explained was so clear um, and, and there was a real route there to sorting it out um, that we just, we didn't really question it, uh, you know. And to be honest, I've got friends who are involved in all areas of, of, of health and wellness and, you know, if you want uh, to carry a rose quartz or a rabbit's foot or do Reiki or do anything, absolutely. I have no issue with those things at all. I think, you know, whatever gets you through the process gets you through the process. But frankly, at this moment in time, um, for something like, you know, uh, breast cancer, there are tried and test- tested routes um, within conventional medicine that deal with it and sort it out. And ultimately, if it's your, your life that's on the line, then it makes sense to go with the process um, that's tried and tested and gonna, that's going to sort it out. Well, I mean, I mean that, that makes perfect sense, mate. And I think, um, you know, I think it's one of those things you probably would never quite know what you will do until you are very much in that situation. Like, yeah. it's all well and good now saying, I think, you know, oh, if this ever happened to me, I'll do X, Y, and Z. But the fact of the matter is, until that moment comes, I think you, you have so no... Much yeah, I mean, there's so much disinformation out there yeah, about cancer, about what causes cancer, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, there's just there's a ton of bullshit out there. That's the that's the simple truth of the matter. And then you'll get people who'll say, "Oh, chemo is poison," and you know, it's just like, hang on a sec, you know, you really need to go do your homework. You really need to go and find out, you know, how cancer's treated. Um, I didn't know. You get a crash course, and it's not what you think it is at all. Um, so from the outside looking in, I think there's so many conditions and ailments that we can look at and say, um, you know, if it happened to me, I'd do this, that, and the next thing. To be quite honest, you know, to, to an extent, there's a certain amount of this is a lottery, um, you know, in terms of conditions that, w- that we, we might find ourselves with. In the meantime, we are... Uh, beholden to do whatever we can uh, to have the best quality of life that we can possibly have. And that's really what so much of this comes down to at the end of the day. You know, you can be, you know, super fit. You can be super focused on diet. You can, you know, spend your whole life feeling like you're in control. Actually, the only thing that really counts is the quality of your life. The quality of your life, you know, in terms of do you get up in the morning and think, this is great. What's what's in store today? And if you don't, then you're missing out on, on, on so many things and on so many levels. <clears throat> For me, I wake up every day and there's Lorraine. And it is literally, I start the day with a smile on my face. You know, I've got mm-hmm. <clears throat> so many things to be grateful for. And we've come through the other end of this and here we are, you know. That's awesome. Have you read the book um, Enjoy Every Sandwich? No, I haven't. And I, I think you mentioned it before. It's um, It was actually CJ, our mutual friend of ours, who recommended it to me. And he, um, in terms of just uh, being grateful and, and sort of taking a step back from things, when I said sometimes I personally can get really overwhelmed because I have to do a lot of research on cancer and stuff for clients. Um, he said, read this book. And what I absolutely loved is the key message. I mean, don't get me wrong. He goes off on some tangents about various things and afterlife that might be just a bit too far for some people. But the key message yeah. he gives is that he gets diagnosed with cancer 
terminal cancer and he doesn't uh he doesn't fear it because he's just got so much amazing stuff in his life and his life's cut short but he's like I've had an amazing life and I've 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 loved my wife I've got kids and had a great career and made a difference to a lot of people's lives because he works in uh, he's a doctor and it's just really an amazing book that I think everyone should read once um and just start to again like you've said start to look at appreciating what we have rather than because it can happen to any of us um and how we how we deal with that situation can make a big difference to the outcome yeah and i think you have to have to really kind of go in eyes eyes open um, yeah. and particularly um you know if you find that you are in an environment where other people are sick um there's a real danger to kind of make it about you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. And, you know, it's certainly something I've seen where we make it about them and actually you look at the people who are at the centre of it and I look at Lorraine and what she's going through. Um, it's very difficult to feel sorry for someone who doesn't feel sorry for themselves. Aww. If that makes sense. Yeah, sense. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense, mate. <laughs> when you've got somebody who's just kind of cracking on with it, <clears throat> um, then it's, yeah, you kind of need to crack on with it too. I mean, this is kind of like what I wanted to ask is that, like, of course, you know, getting the news that you've been diagnosed or that someone you love dearly has been diagnosed with cancer of any any sort. I mean, because the fact is it doesn't just affect the, the person with cancer. You know, it's a, a huge domino effect, isn't it, to those around them? So, you know, so in this instance, like yourself, um, like what was like a major change in the... In, in both you and Lorraine, when you kind of got the news, was there a, a whole like, okay, we need to look at the nutritional aspect here, uh, we need to look at our lifestyle? Well, you know something, yeah, you know something, I, I, we kind of, you know, we eat well, um, we're conscious of what we eat, um, you know, my background kind of health and fitness based, um, Lorraine was certainly up for getting up and going out walking and doing these, uh, you know, doing these things, but all of that kind of took a backseat, you know. The main thing was to batten down the hatches, look after each other, um, make sure we were okay, um, not overcommit to anything else, and just very slowly and methodically get through it in the best possible shape. And that's what happened. Love that. So, you know, for me, I abandoned so many things project-wise that I was kind of involved with, not in a kind of, you know, not as a sacrifice, but as a kind of, you know what, that shit really doesn't matter. Okay, this project, no, it's not really important. You know, so I ditched anything that I didn't feel was really relevant. Um, And actually, you know, part of this process, um, and Lorraine largely, allowed me to really focus in on the stuff that I really care about. And that I really want to get out there at hence 100 reps and the focus on that, you know. So, essentially, what does it do? It really prioritizes you. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine, mate. That's where your books come from, probably. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And the other other thing is, you know, it's very easy to kind of throw these things out there, but you realize actually it's very little that actually matters. Very little that's actually of any consequence at the end of the day, you know. You just want the people that you care about for and love to be okay and um, not to just be okay it'd be fantastic you know but you know what it's like for me it's uh, i don't know why this has reminded me of this but what you've said just just made me think of this and kind of social media and how people portray happiness so to speak on like facebook instagram etc it almost it, it hugely don't get me wrong everyone's got their own right to to you know everyone's got their own idea of what happiness is and what makes them happy fair enough I almost feel as though what someone says in a post 
doesn't quite uh, add up to the photo that they've put up. Like, for example, there's like a well-known Instagram uh, fitness uh, lady. Uh, I won't mention her name because I can't be asked to go into that. Um, Huge amount of followers. She makes a huge amount of money. And she's always putting out there how happy she is and how grateful she is for her family and her friends, etc. Yet, near enough, every single picture she posts has zero to do with her family, her friends, or smiling or laughter. And she put a post up about spending the day at the beach with her family and her her mum makes her so happy and they've had the most amazing time and that's what it's all about. And the picture that accommodated those words was a picture of her stomach. And I was like, right, well, where's the picture of your smiling mum and your brothers and sisters, you yeah, know, jumping don't, don't in? You- and, and I, absolutely. I, I think that there's a kind of schizophrenia going on there. <laughs> um, you know, and I, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it kind of goes without saying, you know, it, these are the people that are important to you. These are the people that you care for. These are the people that you love. There's not a huge necessity to then wear your heart and your sleeve, whereas a photograph of you with them is worth a thousand words. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's it's almost like the, there's a real disconnect. Um, but, I, you know, I have huge issues with a lot of that kind of generic stuff on Facebook. You know, if you if you don't think puppies should get drowned in a bucket, like this post and share it with your friends. Oh, it's yeah. like, no, <laughs> you should be drowned in a bucket, you know? And I, there's a kind of, it's almost like a chain, it's almost like a chain mail type thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And not a chain mail, a chain letter. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it's almost like a cry for help. <laughs> How many of my friends read my posts? Let's find out. Leave a comment below. Don't cut and paste. Share this. You just think, well, why? Is that what you're really doing at 10 o'clock at night? It's asking people to read your posts. <laughs> I, I, I work on the basis that um, everything I post on Facebook, I post really for myself. Um, it's either a reminder to myself or it's something I've come across that I think, oh, that's interesting. And I stick it in there. And I will tag people like yourselves or, you know, and friends who I'm interested to know their opinions. Um, and some posts lead to big discussions. Other posts lead to no discussions whatsoever. Yeah. And it doesn't really make any difference to me. I just I love it when people engage and we get have a conversation. But the truth is, um, if I want to know what's going on with you guys, I send you a message. Hey, guys, yeah. how are you doing? What are you up to? You know, we don't require the medium of Facebook or any other social media to you know, get in touch and have a chat. Exactly. What's going on? Um, you know, so I think people, especially, you know, the, 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 the kind of the Instagram and, and, and social media, Facebook celebrities that are out there, they are presenting a, a, a fantastic airbrushed image of who they are, but it's not the real world, you know? Mm. Well, it's like a, they're putting a filter on their life, essentially. And I just think, like, I don't know, I mean, listening to you speak about the Ren, I mean, I'm a soppy sod at the best of times, mate. And even on a few times on this call, like, I've got a little bit welled up because I just think, God, like, you just start thinking, man, like, what if that happened to you? And you you, you just know that deep down, like, all you, when you get news like that, all you want is for, for that person to be better. And like you say, so much other stuff just does not matter anymore. You know, you know it's, it's, it's funny. I, I refer to Lorraine as the quirky bird, which um, <laughs> actually a brand of wine. <laughs> but um, we have laughed consistently for the last couple of years while all this has been going on. Every day, every day we have a laugh and a giggle. And very often we've absolutely no idea why. But um, that at the heart of it is just that sense of, of, of humour and we know we're supposed to be together and it's absolutely right. And I don't want that to sound kind of, 
and gushy, gushy, sugary, sugary. But that's the truth of it, you know. Yeah, and yeah. there's nothing that's happened in the last couple of years that, you know, obviously, given the opportunity to change things, would you? Of course, you would. Yeah. But in terms of um, what we've done together and what we've been through, um, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And you know, life goes on, and everybody needs to know that that's the case. And um, I've never got an issue talking about this. I always. It's always say, Lorraine, you'll give a speak about it. But no one's more open than Lorraine about yeah. it. Ask her anything you want and she'll tell you about it. Well, I think we should definitely yeah, get her on we'll the show. Yeah, we'll definitely get her on. Be I awesome. think it'd be blinding. I mean, you know, to, to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. You just called her a horse. <laughs> speak of a speech, love. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to let her know, but I called you a horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, certainly what we need is we, we, we need to get you guys up here um, and, and do some stuff up in Edinburgh and maybe Glasgow as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, mate, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be amazing. We, we don't need much of an excuse to come and visit Edinburgh. We, we love it up there, don't we? Yeah, it's awesome. So, uh, yeah, we'll definitely get something going in the new year. But listen, Rana, we're going to wrap up there, buddy. I knew we'd run over. We always do with you. Yeah, um, yeah can I apologise? <laughs> no, no, it's all good, mate. It's, it's all, all good. good. Really, before you go, Rana, just let people know where they can find out a little bit more about you if they haven't listened to the other episode. Absolutely. Um, best place to check it out, 100repchallenge.com. Um, Rep Challenge on Facebook, Rannock Donald on Facebook, um, earthstrength.com uh, for the retreats that we run in Tarifa with Neil Hill. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Good man. Rannock, you're an absolute legend, mate. Give our love to Lorraine, and we will see you soon, buddy. Bye.